iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the penultimate episode of the game Euro 2022. And well, 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 England are in the final. They'll be taking on Germany on Sunday. We'll talk about what prospect the Germans will be as opposition for Serena Wiegmann's side, whether Alessia Russo could start after her stunning goal in the semi-final, and how the FA and more can capitalise on what has been a great summer for the Lionesses. All that and more coming on the game. Hello again, welcome back to The Game Podcast. I'm Hugh Wisencroft, joined by Molly Hudson and Gregor Robertson of The Times. And for the first 15 or so minutes, the former England captain Casey Stoney is here. Well, listen, so much for us to discuss uh, over the next 45 or so minutes. What a moment it will be on Sunday. England walking out at Wembley for the final of the Women's European Championship on home soil, no less. England taking on Germany. What a matchup that's going to be. We'll talk about the Germans too. It'll be in front of a packed stadium, I'm sure. And it will be a first major tournament final for England since 2009. There'll be many more millions watching at home. And Casey, you were a part of the team. You started that final in 2009, also against the Germans in Finland, ended 6-2 to the Germans. Not sure that's going to be the case this time around. This England team is purring. But I wanted to ask you about that week and going into that game, those few days rather, and the pressure that came with it. Do you think this squad will cope with it? And what was it like for you? I think this squad's in a very different position than we were. You know, we went into that tournament all having full-time jobs. You know, these girls are professional. I think the pressure is arguably, at the pressure then was like, can we win it? Can we perform? Can we play against a German team? At that point, who we had never beaten. You know, since then we have beaten Germany, so we kind of got rid of that hoodoo. Um, the pressure you put on yourself is the biggest pressure, I would argue. You know, we were in Finland, arguably not as many people watching it, not as much interest. I think we had probably one sentence off the back of it um, when we got beat. And we got beat by the better team, you know. So I think now England go into this game, I still think as favourites. still Germany are a good side. You know, they've shown that throughout this tournament. We've got home advantage. It's at Wembley. I played in, you know, in front of 72,000 at Wembley and it's an incredible atmosphere. So, you know, that'll galvanise the team and give them, you know, an extra 10, 20% when they need it. So what an opportunity, you know, what a moment for the women's game. You know, I, I was saying to Molly earlier that I've, I texted Jill Scott and I said, what you guys are doing for the women's game in England is immeasurable. And I don't think we'll feel the impact of this for, for years to come, but it's just incredible what they're doing. And how important do you think it was for the FA, of course, for, for women's football as a whole in England, though, that the Lionesses have not just performed well at this tournament, not just made it to a semi-final, 
but they've made it to a final. Is it all about taking part, <laughs> a weird way of asking this, is it about taking part in that final for the Lionesses to create this impact? Do you think they have to go one further and actually lift the trophy for there to be even more? I think the impact they've already had is huge. I think actually getting to the semi-final was a, a turning point, you know, because then the, the big screens go up at Trafalgar Square, the momentum keeps going, the fans are in the street, the people are at Box Park. But I think to win it, and I think they can win it, I think really changes the game in England. And it's about then how we capitalise and transfer bums on seats into the WSL and how it's, you know, becomes more of a spectator sport. I do think winning it takes us one step further because, you know, the men got to the final and then you look at off the back of that and the disappointment and the criticism and, and we kind mm. of get, we put teams the tone changed. Yeah, so I think now it's about winning it. Absolutely. And I think that that has a sea change for the women's game in the country. Because I was listening to, to Ian Wright. I think a lot of people heard him on the broadcast with the BBC speaking about London 2012 and a lack of legacy from that huge event. It was a, you, you, I'm sure everyone remembers what it was like at that time. We were in the in the UK at, at that point. And he felt that the sort of British Olympic Association, they never capitalized on it. And a lot of sports didn't capitalize on that moment for the nation. Now is the time for women's football to capitalize, isn't it? But you do wonder how, especially when it comes to new people taking part, new women taking part in football. Are those foundations there, do you think? I think it starts with visibility. And you look at how many young girls are watching this game now and how many are saying, I want to play and I want to pick up a ball. And then it becomes about the parents. And I think because we're changing attitudes of the older generations, which are the parents and the teachers and people like that, then they're going to take their little girl to a session. The PE teachers are going to run a session in school. It needs to become part of the girls' curriculum in PE. You know, I remember I went to an all-girls school, so I was really lucky that my deputy head loved football and ran a, ran a girls' football team. Otherwise, it was netball, hockey and athletics for me. You know, I, I wasn't even, football wasn't even a thing. So it needs it needs to change within the curriculum to make you know to encourage more girls to play. The opportunities are greater now with the Wildcats programs that the FA run, the girls teams that are out there. But there's still so many challenges and barriers. There's not enough girls teams compared to boys teams. There's not enough resources. The change in facilities aren't you know necessarily suited to to female players. So yeah, the game's changing. The conversation's changing, but we need to make sure the investment is there to make sure that you know within schools within grassroots football, the opportunities are there for the girls if they want to pick up a ball and play. Do you have a message, though, for the maybe the FA? Any other authorities that have the possibility, I think, to deliver football to young girls, to, to older girls and women who want to now, having seen the Euros and seen the, the impact of the Lionesses, you know, try something new. It doesn't have to be all geared at um, people becoming professionals in the future. We also need a strong, I think, a strong core of people taking part in football in, in terms of the recreational sport as well because I think that's important because it keeps eyes and ears on the sport keeps people interested as well that they go and play five aside is there a message to those that that run football in the country that you could possibly give to say here is how you can capitalize yeah absolutely and it's it's more about recreational and grassroots because it's what one one or two percent of the term professional so it's everybody else that really matters you know and they've got Sue Campbell in the FA who's who's you know been such a strong person in in sport in youth sport as well so my message would be like let's do more let's challenge the government 
let's challenge the government to do more, not just around football, but around sport and PE in general. And I think, you know, if only one hour a week at the moment is dedicated to physical education, I think that's shocking. You know, getting PE teachers in primary schools that are trained to deliver within football and know how to coach and know how to deliver a session so that a young person isn't just running around a playground. They actually want to have fun and play the game again. Let's make sure that every girl and boy has an opportunity and of any level you know football should be for everybody so my message would be how do we challenge up how do we make sure that this is a game for everybody how do we make sure that everybody wants to play the game and give them the opportunities to do that right let's turn our attention to the final england against germany massive fixture as i mentioned it's the same as it was in 2009 and i was watching the semi-final between germany and france last night and for me it came down to nous it came down to experience and you know Germany have all the experience when it comes to finals in the European Championship what sort of prospect do you think they will be for Serena Wiegmann's side yeah difficult um I must be crazy but I actually wanted Germany in the final because I thought France had more ways to hurt you with pace you know with set pieces with Renard with you know direct free kicks and just the way they can play I don't think Germany have necessarily as much of a pace threat but they're so organized obviously we can't allow the the ball to come into our box you know because you know pop has been so good in the air and is so good in there has been for so many years they have the tradition of winning this you know we don't um, but we are the home nation we will have the home crowd albeit I think they've won it seven or eight times before, none of these players that are in this current Germany squad have won it. So they haven't got that experience. They have got the tradition and the history. They are a good side, but they have flaws. I think their centre-backs can be exploited. Um, if we can keep the ball out of our box, we can defend well, not give away set pieces, because I thought we struggled early, early on in the game against Sweden with the set pieces, and Germany are very good at set pieces and if we can you know stop crosses and stop the ball coming in aerially we'll have a chance to win the game because we've got enough I think our squad depth is the best in the tournament we've got players that that can come on and that's why I was comfortable even when we were first 15 minutes I thought Sweden were the better team against us Sweden had to go one or two up to even have a chance of winning the game because I always believe what we would bring off the bench would be far stronger than what Sweden would. It's an interesting one. It's going to be an intriguing contest. Where do you think England can hurt Germany most in terms of the positivity that the England players bring to the pitch? Because what we saw against Sweden was, wasn't a great start once again. Look, it's a final, you know, and it could come down to one goal and it could come down to an early goal. Can England make the same mistake again? No, they can't. Because I think if you if you allow those chances for Germany, I think they're, they are probably arguably more clinical and they'll be more ruthless in that attack. And I don't think we can afford to do that. I think, you know, we can't be asking Mary Earps to make those big saves as many times as she, you know, the foot save early on was was a, another big moment for England. But I think they can hurt between the lines, you know, in front of that back four, if they can get Frank Kirby, Georgia Stanway turned in front of those centre-backs and we can get runs between them behind with either the wingers coming from out to win or, you know, Ellen White threatening those centre-backs, I think we can have a chance. So far on this podcast, Casey, you've been best at sort of um, predicting what's going to come. I'm not going to ask you to do a score this time around, but heading to Wembley for the first time in this competition, you know, it does change the atmosphere for the England players, for the Germans, of course, uh, as well. And it's a big, big pitch. You know, we talk we talk about this when it comes to England's men as well. It is a big area. How do you see the game going, panning out in terms of the, the interaction, if you like, between the two teams? I think we... 
we might start a little bit nervy again. I hope we don't, but I think we might. And I think <clears throat> the first 15 minutes are going to be really important that we stay in the game, that we don't give them anything to give them hope and build their morale because, you know, I think that's important that we don't concede. I think if we can, if we can stay in the game for the first 15, I think we've got so many threats, so many opportunities to hurt them with you know players in the pockets I don't think Serena will change the team I think it will be we've, we've seen that she won't and it'll be the same team I think it's going to be a cagey first 15 I think if we can get in front after that we'll win the game if we can get in front you know and I think that's important I think if we concede it could be a different proposition because I think Germany growing confidence when they score goals and they're very very difficult to break down as well Casey Stoney, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I know you haven't got long, very busy, off to catch a flight to your team's next game. Really appreciate you joining us on the game podcast and we'll be back with you reacting to the final. Appreciate it. Right, so Casey Stoney has left us. A pleasure to talk as always. Uh, now the floor is all yours, Molly Hudson and Gregor Robertson, who've been waiting in the wings, diligently listening on, but appreciate your patience. Look, I'm going to ask you a lot of the similar questions I think I asked Casey a few moments ago, because I'm still intrigued to know what you have to say about it. But look, it's been a great week for England. We might as well start there. Molly, we couldn't really have asked for more in terms of that semi-final, but also in terms of the Lionesses in this competition. You know, the way that they have played, they've almost made it look so easy in reaching the final of the European Championship, their first for 13 years, no less. We can, you know, we can ride this wave a little bit, can't we? I think we can. I think what was so impressive was, uh, obviously, I was I was there on, on Tuesday night and at Bramwell Lane, there was a real excitement. And for me, there was... Strangely, quite I was quite confident going into the game because we knew how well England had done for the entire um, tournament. We knew Sweden had, had been a little bit underwhelming. And then, you know, as, as Casey said there, that save from Mary Earps with her foot in the opening seconds was like, for me, that was the turning point. I think if we'd have conceded that goal, we probably would have lost because it was like all of this excitement and happiness and no confidence would have just sort of gone. And I think that, as Serena said after the game as well, that was what was so impressive about the performance. It wasn't just the four goals. It wasn't just, wow, the Alessio Russo goal. Um, it, it was more the manner in which they survived that early onslaught because that's so important if, you, if you're going to win if you're going to win a tournament, as much as we say England have, you know, sort of breezed through most of these games, Actually, the moments that have impressed me most are the quarterfinal against Spain when, you know, England were behind and they they really had that belief. But um, it really did feel like that again against Sweden, that they, they didn't panic. We would have panicked in the past. We would have panicked in 2019. And not only would we have, we did. So I think that is what has impressed me the most and therefore gives me a bit more confidence going into the final because you know against Germany you are, to use a managerial cliche, you are going to have to suffer at times against a team like Germany. Yeah, I, I agree that, that that opening 25 minutes was was uh, was a bit shaky. I thought it was quite a lot of it was self-inflicted, though. Again, one thing that's slightly worrying about coming up against Germany is that there were, a lot of that came from kind of early crosses down either, either flank. I think it was Jakobsen down the right against Daly. Daly played really well, you know, we're speaking about her, whether she should be given the starting uh, spot or not after the, the tough second half against Spain. But I think she justified her selection. She, you know, she, she created the first goal really with a great drive and run and she defended very well. But at the start, there was a few times where she didn't get close enough to block crosses 
And on the other side as well, Rolf will give Bronze a, a really tough time for the first half an hour. Molly's right. They kind of they they saw out, and Erps made a couple of really important saves, and then they just kind of I think so I think they just found a way of of uh, bypassing Sweden's press and the intensity of it. A lot of that came from really clever passes by Leah Williamson, bypassing England's midfield as well, basically, and picking out Kirby or picking out White or uh, diagonal balls to Hemp and Mead, just to kind of, you know, because Sweden were pressing them really well early on. And then from that point, a goal came pretty quickly and the game changed and it was just like England were on top and they were on, on a roll and it was a remarkable performance in the end. Yeah, it was included. We've got to talk about it. A sensational goal from Alessia Russo, right? I mean, maybe the goal of the tournament, probably the goal of the tournament. What do you think, Molly? It was just incredible. And what was quite amusing is sat in the press box. Um, one of my friends that was sat next to me was, was literally looking down at her laptop, rating Russo for missing the, the easier strike. And then actually missed the, the incredible goal because she was bemoaning <laughs> about the fact that uh, she hadn't scored the first one. And I think that that, that is maybe the bit of the goal that's probably a little bit underrated that actually she'd missed a really easy chance and she could have easily as a striker sort of berated herself for that and not had such kind of intent to get that ball again. And then to, then, then to even think to do that is just, it was incredible. It's one of those goals where you literally just did just all collectively say, wow. I was watching that back just before we came on several times. Cause it's great to watch, isn't it? <laughs> and <laughs> That's a few things that you kind of forget as well. The first is is uh, Kira Walsh's little pirouette to kind of turn away and then slide in Frank Kirby. But when you look at that as well, England have got four players running forwards against Sweden's back four, and like that makes you realise how hard they are, you know, how hard they are to play against when they're so direct and positive like that. And then from there, as Molly said, the, the miss. But then you see the, the, the barge she gets. I think it was Caroline Sager. She got a, a massive barge as she was taking her first touch. And you think she did well to stay on her feet. And then she kind of took her, put her left foot across the ball to to protect it, I think, almost from uh, from Anderson, I think I think it was. No one could have predicted what was what came next. It was just it was astonishing. I think I think the Sweden defenders were still kind of looking forwards, looking at her and sort of where's hang on, where's the ball? <laughs> and then finally realised it was gone and they'd all been mugged. It was an amazing goal. Am I am I, am I allowed to mention the goalkeeping or no? no she didn't. She didn't see it coming either. I don't think. I don't, look, she had a tough night, but I don't. <laughs> and you maybe she could have moved her feet quicker. What was she forty one? <laughs> she, maybe, she, looked, she looked at it, I think. But the, I don't think she could really see it either. I, I think she was like the defenders. It was kind of, she was facing so facing away from goal. The back heel kind of slipped just just down the side of Anderson as well. I thought it not made her as well, but it, it just went down the side of her. So I think she would have seen it so late that it's pretty harsh to, to criticise her too much for that one. Maybe Kirby's goal, though. We could, we could give it give her some stick for yeah by then the game was all wrapped up though wasn't it so I think Alessia Russo um she really sealed it any any doubt was gone with that goal and look she's one of those players who I think could have an impact for England in this final as well all the conversations that we've had around team selection I think now are out the window because we know Serena Vigman is is not going to change you know, there was conversation after that match about Ellen White, and I saw some tweets online saying, you know, maybe people just jubilant about Russo's goal. You know, she's got to start the final. You know, she's the one in form. She's the one scoring goals in terms of that striker position. For me, and I'm sure you two will agree, 
you know, there shouldn't be a change in that starting 11. I think the work rate, the pressure, the fouls that Ellen White wins, they're so important in terms of her role. And she does it so, so well. But if we need a goal late on, I think we're really confident now, aren't we, Molly, that Alessia Russo can come off the bench and deliver? I think we are. And particularly, as as Casey explained, that the Germany centre-halves are probably their one of their biggest weaknesses in this team, which has been very good in, in most areas. So I think the fact that, as we've talked on this podcast before, the fact that, that White and Russo provide such different threats, I think we don't panic now if Ellen can't find a way through because we know that Russo comes off the branch and will hurt them in completely different ways. So I think, I also think Ellen White's due a goal. We know Ellen White and what she does in big games. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if she plays a big part on Sunday. I think it was one of the really lovely moments in, there were a lot of them in the the aftermath of that game when everyone ran onto the pitch and they were celebrating. Was Ellen White in tears of happiness? Because I think for so long in an England shirt, there's nothing more she could have possibly done and England are still lost. I think it was just such a nice moment for her personally. She doesn't have as much pressure on her now, in a way. You know, we, we know Russo can help out with that goal-scoring burden. But just but just to see how happy she was and how much it meant to her, I think is is a really nice moment. And I think, you know, I do think people still fear Ellen White. She's a fantastic striker just because... She hasn't had a brilliant tournament. Doesn't mean that on Sunday she can't, you know, score that goal that really matters. It's pretty hard to to think of a a player as deserving of a start though, who's not going to start ever. Mm. I can't think of mm. anyone. You know, your mind drifts back to the to the men's tournament last summer and that kind of clamour for Jack Grealish, but that wasn't because of anything he'd done in an England shirt. Really, that was because of people wanted a bit of a maverick and they saw what he'd done in the Premier League every week. She's come on and, and you know, impacted every single game. She's been outstanding in every single appearance, substitute appearance. But it's just the kind of, it's a winning formula. I think that's 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 almost counting against her. You know, it's like there's such a, a settled to live in, a rigid structure and a winning formula to, to know that she's, she's someone who can come on with half an hour to play and, you know, potentially be the match winner for England. So look, she said she's going to be happy with that role if England win, and I'm sure she will be. When you you think about this England side going into this final, I think I said a little bit earlier on, it's it's looked so comfortable, you know, so easy. I mean, look, the Spain game went to extra time, uh, but the England players said they always felt that they were going to win that one. And, and it really, the question that came to my mind is, could this England team be functioning any better? I wondered if there was anywhere that you guys could pick out where you feel like England can do just a little bit more that will help them get over the line in this final. Molly, I'll, I'll start with you. I think it's the fullbacks for me that are the obvious area of weakness. We, we talked a lot about Rachel Daly against Spain. And although she did you know, have a very good game against Sweden, I think she is still somebody that is vulnerable just because she's not a natural defender. And I think more so the other side with Lucy Bronze. I mean, she, she spoke very openly actually in the mix zone after the game that she's not the player that she was two years ago. We, we ran it on the, on the back page actually today that she's still playing through the pain of her, of her knee. And it's not a particular injury. It's just something that she has to live with now because she's had so many surgeries. And I think going forward, you know, she's still fantastic. She got, I think, one assist and the goal um, against Sweden. But defensively, she is vulnerable 
you can see teams, Austria did it in the very first game of this tournament, which feels a very long time ago. Um, and Sweden did it as well. They really kind of pressured her, uh, targeted her as an area of weakness. And I think what Serena did very well is that she realised that they can't always play too high, those two. They just can't do it because it just leaves the centre-back so vulnerable. So I think maybe them playing a little bit deeper and really picking their moments to go forward in attack rather than bronze sometimes as soon as England gets possession, she's off on her bike up the touchline. And it works very well, but then if you lose possession, it's a real area of weakness. So I think getting that balance right between wanting to help in attack and you know make those 2v1s and get those crosses into the box, but also being able to fundamentally be a defender and do that job right, I think that could be a really key kind of decision as to how brave we are in that element as to, you know, how much joy Germany get, particularly because of pop and how good she is from crosses. You just, you just can't let the crosses come into the box because then it's not, you can't really fault Millie Bright or Leah Williamson, you know, pop is just a fantastic header at the ball. As a legally registered fullback, Gregor, do you agree? <laughs> a long time ago here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think if you're looking at areas of the team that have not functioned as well as as the rest, it is the fullbacks. And I suppose that really is, you're t- really you're talking about individuals then. Bronze hasn't played to the levels that we've, we've known she's capable of, particularly defensively. And Daly, as I've said many times, she's defended really well, but there's just always that little risk I suppose because of the uncertainty that's kind of comes from her not being a fullback. Uh, I'd also say in the first in that shaky opening twenty five minutes for for England against Sweden, there was also just there was too much space between Bright and Bronze. And you know, that is more of a structural thing. It was there was Blackstanius was running into those those spaces too easily and you know I, Sweden managed to open them up a bit too much. There was too much space there, basically. So that's something that's easily rectified. It's not about 1v1 defending. That's just about communication and making sure that you're you're compact. Beyond that, really, it's a good question because there's not a great deal. They're certainly pressing brilliantly. And on the ball, really, it's always seemed, it's always seemed to be about the levels that individuals are, are managing to to attain. I look, Lauren Hemp, I think, played our best game of the tournament. Kirby played, mm. stepped up and played the, the best game of our tournament uh, after the after having big dips against Spain. So really, I think you're going to need these individuals to play at their best. And that's what everyone has got to hope that they do. Germany will be a, an incredibly difficult prospect, though. And you watch their semi-final against France. The one positive, I guess, that we can take for it from it is that France did have chances. And you got the feeling after that semi-final that had they looked for that final pass more, they maybe would have scored the goals needed to to be out in front, really. I felt like it was almost too easy for them to burst through on occasions. We know there's a lot of quick, powerful forwards when it comes to France. That helped them in that regard. But, you know, you watch that, and if if Serena Wiegmann watches that, she will feel like there is an, um, an issue there that England could exploit. Yeah, and I think I probably watched Germany in the group stages and was a bit scared of them. They pretty much you know, waltz through in the same manner that England did really, although maybe didn't score quite as many goals. Um, But I think in the knockout stages, there have been weaknesses. I mean, Austria, I think they hit the bar three times in in that quarterfinal. And that's probably the game that gave me the most hope that England can actually go and win this final because 
Austria really had chances and Austria's attack is, is nowhere near as good as England's. So I think that there are weaknesses in this Germany side. I think that's that's probably one of the main things to not look at this Germany team and think, oh, here we go again, England, Germany, you know, it, we're going to lose. You, you have to look at what England have done this tournament. They have to take confidence from that. They've pretty much ripped apart every single team in this tournament, apart from maybe Spain. And Germany were, were fantastic against Spain in the group stages. So so I, I do think there there are weaknesses to the Germany side. And I, I do think there's there's areas that, that England can really attack. And I suppose Casey was right in the sense of France probably were more dangerous in terms of their attacking players. I think they would have scored goals against England. Whereas I think Germany are more of a kind of all-round threat because we know, you know, I mean, I don't know if we're going to talk about it later, but Lena Oberdorf is arguably the player of the tournament at, at 20 years old, just an incredible force in midfield. So we know that Germany have dangers all over the pitch. Yeah, I mean, listen, if the referee was just a little bit tighter, I don't think this German midfield would be getting away with all, all that it has so far. I mean, they are, let's call it physical, all right? They are physical. They're half a second late into everything. There's a shoulder, there's a knee. You know, they, they make their presence felt. Let's call it that, right? And, and part of me felt, oh, will England deal with the level of aggression that will probably come from the German players? We know that they are quite coordinated with the pressing all over the pitch. They harry, they chase everything down. England will have to be really diligent with the ball to make sure they're not caught in that regard. But there, there was a part of me that thinking that was thinking, you know, if the officiating, you know, didn't lean in the Germans' way so much, I don't know if there's a sort of big country mentality, you know, when it comes to the referees looking at Germany. Because for me, I found it a bit odd at times. There were some heavy challenges. Yes, there were yellow cards given out, but there were a lot of cheeky ones, a lot of cheap fouls that weren't given, in my opinion. Are England going to have to be hot on this, Gregor? I mean, I think it's it, it's got the makings of a, a cracking battle in midfield, particularly. Who, Molly's right about Oberdorf. She's just <laughs> she's some competitor. I think I think it was the Austria game. I, I don't know if I said this last time. She basically won a slide tackle, like fairly humdrum slide tackle on like the halfway line near the touchline, and got up and like started beating her chest and roaring. And she was like, she was <laughs> celebrating a slide tackle. I was thinking, hang on a minute. <laughs> she, she is something else. And as Molly says, at 20 years old, she's like an absolute leader. So, yeah, but I, I, I also think someone like George Stanway is just going to love that. She just, she loves the needle. She loves putting her foot in. She likes that nasty side of the game as well, I think. So, you know, I hope that neither of them get get carried away. But uh, that's, that's going to be a great battle. And I've said before, Germany's midfield, the balance there is... Similar to England, I think. Well, you know, Oberdorf sits just like Walsh does. Debrates is a kind of middle ground player bet between Oberdorf and Magul, who's who's like the, the crafty number 10, which is very similar to England. As you said, the way they press is very similar to England. They've, think of the number of goals, in fact, that Germany have scored from forcing errors. The In fact, both goals against Austria. The first was a kind of rushed kick by Zinsberger and then kind of pounced on by the left-back Rauch and then Clara Bull just skipped beyond the, the Austria skipper and, and pulled the ball back for a, for a goal and then obviously Pop closed down Zinsberger in the 90th minute and, and got the second. And there's been other goals as well that have been come from that pressing. So I, I think there's a lot of parallels. I really do. I think the way that they approach the game, obviously they, their shape, their kind of 
dynamism and you know intensity in the way they press but the fact that there probably are a little a few kind of you know a couple of weak spots just in defense and although Germany are very strong in in attacking set plays I I, I think they're they've been a little bit frail from uh, defensive set plays um I think two of those three times they hit the post against Austria were uh, Austria hit the post sorry were were from corners and again France France caused some some real anxiety from from uh, from dead balls the other night, so I think set plays are a, are a potential weak weakness as well. But yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a cracker. I'm quite worried listening to both of you, right? Because it sounds like England are favourites for the final up against the Germans. I mean that's the impression that, that I'm taking away from this, and I just don't think it's going to be that simple. It can't be that simple. It's the Germans, right? And I think. History would tell us, you know, in games of this magnitude, they find something. I know Casey pointed out this specific squad doesn't have the experience, but going for their ninth, is it, European Championship win, surely there will be a wealth of experience in terms of their coaches to lend themselves, to lend itself to helping them through this experience. But I also think, you know, that Sweden almost found a way to keep Walsh quiet in the midfield. I agree with you, Gregor. I think the midfield battle is going to be scintillating in this one. And I, I think if there is a focus on keeping Walsh quiet, are we going to have enough in that midfield area if she's a little bit hamstrung, if there's a, uh, a way of keeping her, her quiet? Um, she still found a way to play in areas and make those angles. And obviously, England did come to the fore in the end. And I think she was a part of it in the midfield area. But I wonder if there's a way of keeping her quiet that the Germans will find. Um, are you are you fearful at all, Molly? Like I said, you guys are making me feel like it's a, a, almost a foregone conclusion. I certainly wouldn't say that. I think, I think all the way through this tournament, we've talked about expectation. We've talked about pressure. And every time it felt like there was a really big occasion... Wiegmann's methods seem to have worked in the sense of keeping in their bubble, keeping everything else out, you know, n- not getting too carried away, being very calm and composed. And and that was another thing that Lucy Bronze said after the game, that she felt that was the biggest difference between England now and England in the past. But I think this really is the the biggest test of that, isn't it? Because there could be no bigger moment. And as much as Wiegmann has experienced this before, she hasn't experienced 90,000 people in a packed-out Wembley. This final is the... If, if assuming it's sold out, which it is, and assuming, you know, everyone gets there and makes it there, this is the biggest Euros final, male or female. That's an extraordinary amount of pressure. And it's okay to come up with all these techniques, but... You know, that pressure undoubtedly is on England. For Germany, they will see themselves as underdogs just because of everything else off the pitch, you know, regardless of who is the favourite in terms of pure footballing ability, they will feel like they're underdogs because of the crowd that are going to be at Wembley. And I think for me, once again, as Wiegmann has said all through this tournament, if England play to the best of their ability they will win. And she's right. And they will. I think they could beat Germany if they play to their best. But can they play to their best in that specific scenario? And I think that's that's where this game will be won and lost. Huge pressure for them to deal with, Gregor. Yeah, that's, you know, Molly makes a very, 
a very good point there because it is different. It's, you know, I said last time that I've not seen any evidence to suggest that pressure is going to get the better of, of this England team. This is something, something else that the level of noise and scrutiny and the build up, just everything about it is enormous. So I very much hope that they can still play with freedom. You know, I'm sure it'll be a nervy start, but they can still kind of find their stride and play with a sense of freedom that has made them so such a joy to watch actually in this tournament. Um, but there's no doubt that that pressure's just been ramped up to the to, to number eleven on the dial because it's it's going to be some some spectacle. Um, but look, I mean, you got to say it's the same it's the same for the Germans. And yes, there's there's more pressure on England as the home side, but there also there's also more weight of support and energy behind them, and that'll be very powerful as well because the atmospheres at every game have just been extraordinary, and it's going to be even better. Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm so worried. Um, I'm one of those. You all know it. Um, I just, you know, it would be heartbreak if England now don't win the Euros. I might as well take it back to the, the conversation that we had with Casey at the start of the podcast about capitalizing on this whole competition, hosting it, of course, whether England do need to win the final to create that legacy that we all hoped this competition would have had. Um, for me, I think it's there. I think it has been there. You know, we saw the, the video of the young girl, oh, I can't remember her name, um, Gabby Logan last night, giving her a ticket to the final, singing along to Sweet Caroline, doing interviews the day after the match. Um, she was everywhere, wasn't she? And, and it was so interesting. I was listening to one of her interviews where she just spoke about how almost inspiring these players were to her. And I just thought there's going to be hundreds of thousands more just like her who weren't inside the stadium, who were at home, who will be feeling exactly the same. And I don't think they will feel, I hope that they don't, I pray that they, they don't feel differently if England don't win the final. Maybe for those big brands, those big organizations, those big companies, across the, the the landscape, if you like, whether it be on the high street, whether it be media, whatever it might be, maybe they 
will pull in the superstars of the next five years through this tournament, but only for some if England win. I think that's the sad thing, right? Because I think some some organisations out there, I think if England win, will say, well, we've got to be a part of this. And maybe it hasn't yet across the board fully taken hold for some of those people. That's just, you know, that's just my own opinion when it comes to the the, the different sectors out there. I think winning would be, it would be huge. But I don't know. I, for me, I think, like I say, I think it's already enough. I think we will see superstars coming out of this. But I think it would just be that little bit more if England win. I don't know how you see it in terms of that legacy that Ian Wright was talking about. Do, do England need to win, Molly? I think you're right in a sense that obviously winning would would be an extra step. But I think you have to look at it in steps and the step that we've already taken is further than we've ever gone before because, yes, I know this isn't the first time England have been in a final, but speaking to Casey earlier on, she was saying, you know, one sentence in the in the papers when they lost that game, you know, it wasn't the same, you know, reaching a semi-final compared to reaching a final in 2009 is already much bigger now. So I think actually getting to a final is already uncharted territory in a way. And I think what has been so lovely for me in terms of legacy is is reading. So I, I wrote the match report on Tuesday night and reading through the comments, I think there's now 800 comments and <laughs> the majority of them are nice. And that's like incredible to me that, you know, that's just a really small sample size of what this tournament has done. And I think there's a lot of old stereotypes about women's football. And I think until you've actually watched it, I don't think you can be a fair judge. And a lot of people have watched this tournament for the first time and really loved what they've seen. And and there was one, there was one that, that I posted on Twitter that was like, I'm sorry, I didn't get the hype around women's football. You know, I didn't believe in it. I didn't think it was very good. And now I've watched it. And it's incredible and it's coming home and I'm sorry and thank you. <laughs> that, that, is the, that is the legacy of this tournament, that people's minds have been changed. And What you're saying, Molly, is you, you want some more apologies, right? <laughs> I want all of the apologies. That's what I want. <laughs> but, um, but, I think, but I think in that sense, minds have already been changed. But I suppose if we go in and win, even more minds would be changed. What do you think about, uh, Gregor, what we were talking about a little bit earlier on about making sure there is a space for those that want to take part in the game, grassroots football, uh, youth football, coaches. I mean, that's so important, isn't it? I mean, virtually every school in this country, there are members of staff willing to coach boys football teams and there is an avenue for them to, to play matches in leagues or against other schools competitively. But so many schools fall short when it comes to providing that for their female pupils. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that what this team has already done will will change these things. And I, I agree that winning it would just be like I think it would just be the 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 kind of outpouring of of joy and another event of, you know, like the open top bus going through the streets of London and that kind of thing. It would all be really, really special. It would just kind of mark the mark the the sort of size of this achievement and and be another you know amazing memory for everyone to hold on to but i i think that the the kind of the growth and the the huge change that is coming in the future has already been achieved there are things that that women's football need need to do i think part of that is about growing the, the wsl further i think it's about 
growing attendances more on a regular basis. I think it's about all, just maintaining that visibility all the time. And you know, I think because I think attendances fell last season actually, which was worrying um, from about three thousand to just under two thousand a game uh, on average. And just you know, as I say, visibility, visibility, visibility. And you know, we've got the TV deals now, and there's and there's the the, the viewing figures are actually really have been really good last season for. I think BBC, the BBC's average was about just over four hundred thousand for a game, and like in the men's game, Sky are happy to reveal when they get more than two million for a game. Which, considering the how you know how early in its development uh, the WSL is, is is pretty remarkable. So it's all about keeping that visibility and keeping the women's game front and center. And as you say, it's kind of been able to to keep pace with the growth because I mean, it just again, just looking down. The comments under Molly's articles and other pieces I've written, you just see people with little stories about, you know, someone was saying they trying to get, trying to. There's been three girls teams set up in her village during the Euros, and there was none before. Like, wow. you know, <laughs> I was sitting down having breakfast this morning and just like had the window open and I could hear a little girl walking along the street speaking to her mum about it on the, like, speaking about about England to her mum. Just like it's it's there, it's there all the time. The change has happened and it will continue to happen. It's just. All about creating memories now. I think on on Sunday. I think the the big thing for me that I always say, and I might have said it on here before, but I'm going to keep saying it. I'm 24, and when I went to school, in my school in in Cambridgeshire, you couldn't play women's football as part of PE lessons. When the boys played football, we played netball, we played hockey. Imagine the generation of girls that are coming through if they can be given that opportunity to play how much better the standard can be as well because a lot of these players that are even even the girls that are, that are in the team now even the young ones coming through they won't have had as many opportunities to play when they were young as the generation now coming through will and i think that's for me is what makes women's football so exciting the the strides it's already made and the strides it can make in the future whereas i suppose for men's football it's already done all of that it's at the very top level of its development already, whereas women's football is still on that journey, and that's what's so exciting. There's so many role models now. I've always been cynical in the men's game about the idea of, of footballers being role models. That's not what you sign up for when you when you become a, a footballer, but this feels different, and I don't know if that's unfair or if it's unfair pressure, but there are so many people that little girls can look up to now and, and say, I can, you know, I want to do that, or just... You know, take pleasure in seeing someone like them, or like someone they could be when they grow up playing football and being—I mean—so good at it, <laughs> and, and you know, bringing so much joy to everyone. So, I, I spoke to some to, to Carol Thomas for a for a piece I'm doing for this weekend, who's who was England's second ever captain, and she was she played in the '84 final. I think she was the first woman to get 50 caps, and she was saying that's the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing. We didn't, we'd never had role models. We, my role model, she said, was my mum. There was no one. There was no one else to look up to. And now girls and young women have got, you know, <laughs> 11, 18, how many ever is in the squad <laughs> and the rest in the WSL. They've got lots of role, role models to look up to and, 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 uh, and hope to emulate. Right then, to the game, which um, which I think is, is convenient in terms of those wanting to write subplots because you've got this... A powerhouse of a German forward wearing the armband, uh, leading the team from the front. You've got an, an almost irresistible force to overcome in terms of 
the number of championships, European championships that Germany have won, the history in their favour against the host, the home nation, the spirit of a new dawn, if you like, especially given all we've spoken about, right? So in that regard, I think it's all set. And I know we, we heard a little bit earlier on that, that maybe Germany are the underdogs in this one. England will want to feel that they're the underdogs as well, I think, having never uh, lifted the trophy. But when it comes down to it, how do we see this this game going? I'd, I want to say, you know, like, like, as I said already, you know, given that everything you guys have said, that England will come through it comfortably. I don't think it will be comfortable. Will they even come through it as winners? I almost feel like it's too hard to call. So I'm going to give it to you guys this time around. I certainly don't think it's going to be comfortable. I don't think it's going to be comfortable for me in the press box, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's going to be an absolute rollercoaster of emotions. I think because of how well... It's not like England have got to the final and they've been okay. They've been excellent throughout the tournament. And for that reason, I think you have to have the belief in Serena Vigman. And I always said that before the start of this tournament. If England were going to win, it wouldn't just be about the players. It would be the way they utilise the home support and what Serena Vigman brought. And I think that that will be the case. If England win this final, it will be down to that calmness and mentality that Vigman has brought. So I think you have to believe in that. You have to believe that, yes, this is bigger than ever and this is the biggest test of that, but you have to trust her because she literally has not put a foot wrong in the 19 games that they've played so far. So I think it'll be tense. I think it'll be uncomfortable. I think it could even go all the way to a word that I'm not going to say on this podcast. But (laughs) I think England can win. Yeah, I think they can. You, you stuck your neck out there, Molly. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think, Gregor? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be cagey at the start, and then I think I just hope, but I also believe that England will find their stride and they will find space. It's a big old pitch out there. They were playing against a team who are also going to want to win. Although we saw Germany kind of batting down the hatches against Spain, England are not Spain. I think Germany are going to. Be, be on the front foot as well. I think it's going to be really pretty key whether Clara Bull's recovered or not because, you know, she missed the game with a positive COVID test and I don't like the prospect of Clara Bull against Lucy Bronze. Bull is rapid and been, as Molly said last week, she's been one of the one of the players of the tournament. So that's that's going to be important. But I think England can win. I, just, I think it could come down again to, to the people that come, in, come on off the bench. I think... That energy, although although Germany have got great strength as well to call upon, like Linda Dalman, someone who comes on for Magul as kind of a routine substitution with 25 minutes to play, two Bayern Munich uh, attacking midfielders, and she's she's always been really good when she comes on and has, makes a big impact. Julie Brand, who came who played for Bulls Place, 19 year old winger, she she did really well I thought against France. They've got players as well that can come on, but I, I just see England's substitutes and the impact they've had I can see that you know history repeating itself again so I think England will have enough I think they will I think they will get over the line and what a day it will be my word my word positivity England going into a final we're not even going to say the p word no we aren't um listen again I'm just it's one of those feelings it's like 
it already makes the hair stand up a little bit. But also, you, you know, as an English football fan, Gregor, I'm sorry to say it. You know, we've been stung before. We've had high expectations before. I know that they don't fall into Scottish category of, of disappointment. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm, I'm praying Come that on, this we're not even in the tournament. I'm not sure you can be pulling us out at the minute. <laughs> Just generally speaking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm hoping the next time we speak, we'll all, have, you know, be grinning ear to ear because England have lifted the European Championship. Um, I'm sure you'll both be there. So hopefully you enjoy it and bring us some good luck. Thank you to all of you for listening. We're going to be back. Back on Monday, fingers crossed reacting. I said it was going to be biased. It's going to be biased all the way through. Fingers crossed reacting to England lifting the European Championship at Wembley. But remember, there's going to be some great previews, um, loads of great conversation to come before we get to that match on Sunday afternoon. So make sure you check it out. Download the Times app, hit the sports section, of course. Uh, you can also make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, hit that little bell. But also, of course, check us out online. It's thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game. We'll see you on Monday. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.